Amen. Uh, Well, our scripture reading this morning comes from Acts chapter 26, uh, where verses 24 through 29, I'd invite you to open your Bibles with me there. Acts chapter 26, uh, verse 24 through 29. Uh, We are finishing up our summer in the series, uh, summer in the scripture series, uh, where we spent our summer building community around God's word. We've been reading through the book of John and Acts together. Uh, And if you were in one of our summer reading groups, uh, or uh, if you have read through John and Acts following the plan on your own uh, throughout the summer, would you, would you raise your hand? That's awesome. That's awesome. I am so excited to see so many people uh, who have invested their their time, their their energy uh, into reading and studying God's word. I believe when we read God's word, that God speaks into our lives. And I and I've heard from so many people about how how this uh, opportunity uh, to read, to explore God's word together has impacted their own lives. You know, a lot of times uh, as Christians, we, we say we want to hear God speak to us. I want to know what God's will is for me. Like, I, I want to know what God wants to, to say to me. God has spoken. He's, he's given us his word. And one of the incredible things is, that, is when we read God's word, that God also speaks a fresh word into us and into our lives and into our situation. And so it's so important for us to be a people who are reading and listening for God's voice. If, if we want to know what God desires for us, uh, it begins with this posture of listening where I am reading God's word on an ongoing basis, listening for his voice as he calls me. And so I want to encourage you whether you did the summer in the scriptures or not, uh, to continue to, to read, to continue to invest your time in reading God's word. There's a couple of different plans that you could follow. Uh, we had a read through the New Testament in a year plan that we put out at the beginning of the year. And so if uh, you've been reading through John and Acts, right after that is Romans. You can start this week, Romans 1 through 4, uh, and, and start out there and you can continue to read throughout uh, the rest of the year. There's also a uh, transformational reading plan, uh, scripture passages that are, are designed or that God spoke uh, that are for us to help transform our lives. They've been kind of gathered and uh, correlated by Dr. David De Silva, who's a New Testament professor, who's a part of our, our church staff. And so that would be a blessing. It's back on the discipleship resources table. You can pick that up as well, uh, but find a way, find a plan, find something that's going to help you to stay in God's word every day. I know that it'll be a blessing for your life. And so as we are wrapping up our summer in the scriptures, uh, one of the overwhelming things that's kind of stood out to me, that's jumped out to me through all of these passages is something that I think our passage this morning kind of highlights, uh, becomes evident within it. And really it offers kind of a summary of and an exclamation point to this overwhelming theme, at least that I've been reading and finding throughout John and Acts. And so we're going to read here in Acts chapter 26, uh, beginning in verse 24. And uh, it uh, says, while he... While Paul was making this defense, Festus exclaimed, You are out of your mind, Paul. Too much learning is driving you insane. But Paul said, I am not out of my mind, most excellent Festus, but I am speaking the sober truth. Indeed, the king knows about these things, and to him I speak freely. For I am certain that none of these things has escaped his notice, for this was not done in a corner. King Agrippa, do you believe the prophets? I know that you believe. Agrippa said to Paul, Are you so quickly persuading me to become a Christian? And Paul replied, Whether quickly or not, 
I pray to God that not only you, but also all who are listening to me today might become such as I am, except for these chains. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. We say thanks be to God. So Paul, uh, in this passage, is in front of Festus, who's uh, the new Roman governor in the area, and King Agrippa, who's also been appointed to this area by the emperor, by the Roman emperor. And so Paul, he's already been in prison for a couple of years. Uh, some of the Jewish people in the area were wanting to put him on trial. They wanted to really to, to have him put to death because they didn't like the way that he was going around and talking about Jesus. And so the previous Roman governor, Felix, had had Paul arrested. He couldn't find any faults in him, but he just kept him in prison. And so Festus is here. He's the new person in town. Uh, he, he wants to figure things out. He sees the situation with Paul. He sees kind of the tensions mounting among the Jewish leaders. And he's like, I've got to figure out how to make peace in all of this. I'm going to give Paul an opportunity to, to offer a defense. But it's like, but I don't understand all of these issues. Um, he wasn't Jewish. And so he invites King Agrippa, who has a Jewish background, to come to help him interpret and discern and understand what's going on. And so Paul is in front of Festus, the Roman governor, and King Agrippa so that he can offer a defense. Like, why are you in prison? Why are you here? How, how are you going to defend yourself against the accusations made against you? And so Paul, he begins his defense by telling them his testimony. He starts out telling them, he's like, at one point in time, I was going around and having followers of Jesus arrested. I was having them thrown in prison. I was, I was voting to condemn them to death. And then one day while I was on the road to Damascus, uh, there was this bright light that shone upon me. A voice from heaven called out and it was Jesus himself. And he said, Paul, I'm going to give you a new mission. I'm going to give you a new purpose. I'm going to give a new meaning to your life. He told me that I was going to go out and I was going to tell others the good news about Jesus, how Jesus is the fulfillment of all the prophecies, how through Jesus's life, death and resurrection, he's offered salvation to Jews and Gentiles alike, to all people, that all people have been offered grace by Jesus Christ, that all people through faith can have the gift of life everlasting. And as Paul is telling the story about what Jesus did for him, about this mission that Jesus gave him. That's when Festus interrupts. He, he, he says, Paul, what are you talking about? This all sounds a little bit crazy. Paul says, no, no, I'm not crazy. All of these things have been prophesied. And all of these things that have been talked about for years are coming true in and through the person of Jesus. And then he looks at King Agrippa and he says, I know, I know King Agrippa, I know that you're Jewish. I know that you know all of the prophets, that you've, you've heard all of these prophecies before. Do you believe what the prophets said? Because if you believe what the prophets said, I know that you're going to believe in Jesus also. That's where we hear Agrippa respond and say, are you so quickly persuading me to become a Christian? And Paul's answer here is, is beautiful. In verse 29, he says, whether quickly or not, I pray to God that not only you, but everybody who is listening to me today might become such as I am, except for these chains. And I pray I pray to God that not only you, but anybody who's in this room, and it's a room full, a courthouse full of all the servants and everyone there with Festus and Agrippa, I pray that, that you who are listening to me might become such as I am. 
Right? Paul is telling Agrippa, he's telling Festus, he's saying, my, my prayer for you, the number one thing that I would ask God to do in your life is that you would follow Jesus like I do. My greatest desire for you and for your life, the thing that is on the, my heart the most as I'm here before you, what consumes my prayers is that you would know Jesus as your Savior and as your Lord. Right? I mean, even in this place where Paul has to make a defense with his life on the line, his prayer is not for his own freedom. He's not praying in the situation for his own well-being. He's not praying that Festus and Agrippa would release him from prison. He says, my prayer is that you, Festus, that you, Agrippa, would come to know Jesus. I mean, in this conversation that he's having with them, there's so many things that he could say. There's so many things that, that he could pray for, for Agrippa and Festus that might be beneficial to his cause, that might help lead him in a way that he's no longer in prison, that he's free to go. Uh, he could pray that uh, Agrippa and Festus would have wisdom as leaders. He could pray that God would bless their kingdoms or their families. He could pray that their bosses, the, the Roman emperor, might have favor upon them. They would be able to move up that ladder. Uh, he could pray, hey, I pray that there's going to be peace during your rule uh, and that it's going to look good for you. I'm going to pray that the economy is going to grow while you are in command and that you're going to look good because of it. And, and maybe Paul does pray these things. We don't know. What we do have, what the scripture does tell us that he prays about, is that they would become like him without chains. His prayer is that they would give their lives totally and completely over to Jesus as their savior. That they would dedicate their lives to following Jesus as their Lord. That they would give of themselves to serve in Jesus' kingdom. I believe that Paul's prayer for Festus and Agrippa is that they would come to know Jesus because this relationship with Jesus is the most important thing in our lives. It's the most important relationship within our lives. Having a relationship with Jesus, knowing him as your savior, following him as your Lord, it's the the biggest decision that a person can make in their life. It's the best decision that a person could ever make in their lives. It's the most valuable commitment that someone could ever make in their lives. Jesus said it this way. He said, he said, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure that's in a field. And there's a guy who's walking through the field one day and he stumbles across this treasure. And it's so incredible. It's so amazing that he goes and he sells everything else that he has so that he can buy that field. So that he could hold on to and obtain and have that treasure. That's what Jesus is saying the kingdom of heaven is like. That's what having a relationship with Jesus is like. That it's worth more. It's more valuable than anything else that we could have or possess in all the rest of creation. It's the treasure that comes through this relationship with Jesus as your Savior and as your Lord. It's, it's saying that uh, a relationship with Jesus is better than, than good health. Having a relationship with Jesus is better than having lots of money or any money. It's better than having lots of cars or houses. It's better than having your dream job. It's better than having the attention of all the people that you want attention from. It's better than having three million likes on your YouTube video. A relationship with Jesus is better than getting into the college that you want to get into. It's better than having the retirement that you want to get into. This relationship with Jesus is so important because a relationship with Jesus means life. 
A relationship with Jesus means that there is joy that is possible no matter the situation. Because I can look and I can magnify Christ rather than my situation. A relationship with Jesus means that there is peace. It means that there is hope. It means there is life everlasting. It means that death is not the victor. Because sin and death have been defeated. When we are right with Jesus... Uh, when we are following his word, when we're trusting in him, when we're walking with him, when we're following his commandments, like all the rest of life becomes a lot more manageable. Doesn't mean that life becomes easy, but it becomes more manageable. It doesn't mean that difficulties aren't going to come just because I have a relationship with Jesus. It doesn't mean that I'm not going to get sick. It doesn't mean that my bad decisions aren't going to have consequences. It doesn't mean that natural disasters or or bad economies won't affect you. I mean, we've got to remember as Paul is praying this for Agrippa and Festus, he is in chains. He's been in prison for years. He's been beaten, stoned nearly to death, left outside the city. Uh, he's, his whole life in following Jesus has been one of suffering, of trial, and of tragedy. As we read through the book of Acts, we read about famines sweeping over the land. Followers of Jesus experiencing extreme persecution. Jesus doesn't make life easy. He doesn't make all the problems go away. But Jesus makes life better. Paul writes it this way in Philippians chapter 4. He says, I've learned how to be content in all situations. I've had a lot, and I've had a little. There's been times when I've had more food than I can imagine to eat, and I've ate my fill, and there's been times when I couldn't find a couple of pieces of bread and some peanut butter to put together. I know what it is to have a lot. I know what it is to be hungry, but I've, I've learned this secret to be content. That's I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Now, I can endure all things with joy and with peace through Christ who strengthens me. I can I can make it through whatever difficulties life throws my way because Christ gives me strength. I can see the light at the end of the tunnel through the hope of resurrection because Jesus is the one who strengthens me. So Paul, he tells Festus and Agrippa, he says, I'm praying for you that you would know Jesus the way that I do. I'm praying that you would know Jesus because I know that he makes a difference in my life. And I know that he's going to make a difference in your life as well. And so this morning, I want to ask you, what kind of things are you praying for? I, I know it's a, it's a broad question, right? There's, there's a lot of things that we can and should pray for. I mean, uh, you could pray for wisdom and that's a good thing. I pray for wisdom in my life. I, I pray for people I know who are sick to be healed. I pray for comfort for people I know who are grieving. I pray uh, that God would move in the hearts of people who make decisions about my insurance so that I can have my house fixed. Uh, I pray the people who are making decisions about funding for our church repairs, that, that God would move in their hearts, right? I pray for freedom for people who have addictions. I pray uh, for ministries like for kids and those who hear this call to foster, for, for teachers, for students, for mission partners around the world. I pray for safety for my family. There's so many things that we can pray for. There's lots of good prayers, lots of meaningful prayers that show care and compassion for others. But church, if there is one thing that we can pray for, one thing that we must 
pray for. One thing that we know for certain without a shadow of doubt is the will of God that speaks to the heart of God. It's this prayer that Paul teaches us so that others would come to know Jesus as their Savior and as their Lord. Now, I don't know the people, the relationships that take up the biggest place in your heart or in your life. You know, I don't know what holds the, the biggest pull o- upon your life, what, what moves you the most, uh, or what takes up the most amount of space within your prayer life, who those people are. For me, uh, I mean, I'll be honest, it's, it's my children. Uh, if you're a parent, I imagine it's, it's that way for you as well, uh, or, or a spouse or somebody that you're seeing or dating. But, but when I pray, for my kids, I mean, I can pray that my kids do well in school. I can pray that they grow in wisdom and stature. I can pray that my children will grow up and they'll find, you know, the right woman or the right man and that they'll have a, a good relationship or that they'll find contentment and singleness. I can pray for my kids' health and safety. I can pray that they'll make it into the right college or the right trade schools, that they'll get the right jobs, that they can use their gifts and passions. But if I really love them, if I really care about my children, if I truly have their best interests at heart, my number one prayer for them has to be, it must be that they would know Jesus as their Savior and as their Lord. I mean, if I could pick only one thing that I wish for them, one thing that I want for them that's going to make the biggest impact on their life, not only on this earth, but for all of eternity, my prayer would be that they would know Jesus that they would have a relationship with him, that they would trust him, that they would follow him. I've got neighbors that live around me, people that I'm acquainted with. I'm sure we all kind of have the communities that we live in, those, those relationships that have formed over time. And my neighbors go through lots of different things. There's times when I could pray for my neighbor's health. I could pray that when they go through challenges that they overcome them. I can pray for their material needs or their physical needs or their emotional needs. But there's one thing that's going to express my concern for them, that's going to show that I really care about them, whether I love them the way that God calls me to love them or not. My prayer has to be, it must be, that they would come to know Jesus. He is the greatest treasure that's worth selling everything else that you might be able to obtain. I know that as we go through the list of family, of friends, of co-workers, classmates and teachers, neighbors and acquaintances, all these different relationships that we have, all the people in our lives, praying for them to come to know Jesus at times could be like, well, that's, that's, a, lot of, that's a lot of people to mention by name. That's a lot of people to, to think about, to talk about, to pray about. And some of the people that are on this, this list of relationships that we have in our heads, some of the people already know Jesus. Hopefully we have some friends, some connections that know Jesus. Uh, If not, this is a good place to get connected with people who know Jesus already. Uh, Some of the people on your list, you might not be sure about whether they know Jesus or not. You just, you haven't had that conversation. You're not quite sure what's going on in their life. There are other people on your list that you know that they don't know Jesus, that they don't have that relationship with Jesus. And so, so do we pray for all of them? You know, where do we start? If this is the most important thing that I can pray for, for somebody, if this is the most important thing that shows my love and my care and my compassion for them, where do I start? Where do I begin? And so what I would invite you this morning is sure there's lots of people we can pray for, but I'd I'd invite you to, to pick one, to pick one person who's, who's on your heart or who's on your mind and pray for them to come to know Jesus. 
pick one person in your life that either you're not sure if they know Jesus or not, or maybe you know for a fact that they don't have a relationship with Jesus and begin to pray for them every day, every day, pray for them by name. Pray that they would know Jesus as their Savior and Lord. Pray that God would reveal himself to them. Maybe, maybe a bright light like God showed up in Paul's life. Pray that maybe somebody would come across their path. They would be able to tell them about Jesus and they would have ears and a heart that's ready to listen. Pray that the Holy Spirit would nudge them, would pull on them, would tug on their heart until maybe they show up in a church or maybe they turn on the right radio station at the right time where they're flipping through their, their YouTube or their Facebook or their Twitter, whatever else it might be, and they come across somebody who's telling and talking about Jesus. And they pause long enough to hear the good news. They say, yes, I, I want this. I know that I'm only here today in this church. Sometimes I think about it. I might only be here on this earth because I had a grandmother who prayed for me every single day, who prayed that I would come to know Jesus, that I would follow him, that I would trust him. I'm grateful every day that she never gave up on me, but she prayed for me. I know that prayer makes a difference. So this morning, I'm inviting you. I'm inviting you to to pick one person who God is placing on your heart and pray for them every day, that they would come to know Jesus as their Savior and their Lord. And you're going to pray for them every single day until you hear that they've made this commitment, that they've made this uh, connection, that they have this relationship with Jesus. And then after you find out that this person that you've been praying for knows Jesus, you're going to pick somebody else and you'll start praying for them. 